It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Also checking in from Auburn, Alabama. The man with the golden voice of the Dan Peck Radio Network. Dan Peck, how are we doing, Dan? Hello, Justin. Uh, welcome back after a, a well-deserved uh, vacation down on my beloved uh, Gulf Coast of Florida. And hello, Painter. As you uh, as you move from uh, as 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 you move from parts unknown to an undisclosed location, and again, I want to assure people there's a move. We're just not mm-hmm. going to tell you any details about nope either location. Exactly, exactly. Some of you internet sleuths will will, will figure this one out. Uh, Painter Sharpless as we just said, is checking in from an undisclosed location under the cover of darkness. Painter, how are we doing? Doing well. Doing well. So, fellas, uh, we are one week away. By the, t- by the time this comes out, we are one week away from Auburn's turn through the car wash at SEC Media Days in Nashville. I'll be there. Dan will be there. Painter will be holding it down at, at, uh, at the undisclosed location. Um, but we're going to try to have some, some cool stuff from you guys from Media Days, on the newsletter side and on the podcast side. Um, so, cause Dan's going to be, uh, up there with, uh, you know, not only us, but, uh, his, his real job, uh, with, uh, with one of 6.7 and, uh, and the drive with, uh, the God, Bill Cameron. Uh, so we'll be up there and, uh, recording this on Monday night. The announcement came on Monday morning of the official list of who's going to media days. And fellas, I was surprised at all three of these picks, um, and we'll get into some of the reasons why. Uh, but Auburn, in case you haven't heard yet, Auburn's three, along with Hugh Freeze, uh, Auburn's three player representatives in uh, Nashville are going to be Luke Deal, Elijah McAllister, and Cameron Stutz. Uh, the interesting thing about all three of those guys is they're all three seniors. Now, we have seen Auburn teams in the past – send nothing but seniors is kind of like a, Hey, um, you know, it's a reward. It's kind of a tradition. We've seen Auburn kind of bend away from that, uh, in the past tank went last year. Uh, we've seen quarterbacks go, uh, earlier, earlier that bow being a, a recent example. Uh, some other teams I was looking at, uh, did that. Uh, Kentucky is sending nothing but seniors. Mississippi state is sending nothing but seniors, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt also doing the same thing. So not out of, um, not out of the ordinary there, but Auburn going back to that style. And with Deal, McAllister, and Stutz, I was legitimately surprised at all three of these picks. Dan, I know we were talking at some point, um, Jason Caldwell, our friend over at Auburn Undercover, um, seemed to be, I think even before the announcement, was talking about how Luke Deal uh, made a lot of sense as a choice for Auburn uh, for media day. So that one probably not as, as surprising to me, but McAllister and Stutz also going as well, but it, we'll start Luke deal. Um, a guy who has been through a lot at, at Auburn, um, you know, fifth year senior, uh, I, no, probably not going to be the quote unquote starter. It'd be interesting to see how they, how they kind of work that out this year, especially with your boy Rivaldo Fairweather coming into the picture, but deal a guy who, you know, especially with the departure of, John Samuel Shanker, I think for a lot of the blocking and a lot of the experience and a lot of like the traditional tight end stuff, deals a very fine fine pick to pick up that slack. Always good with the media as well. So I you know, the the deal pick probably the least surprising of the three, but still a little element of surprise there. 
Yeah, the, the word that, that came to mind, I think Jason Caldwell used this on the drive when he predicted Luke Deal as, as one of Auburn's representatives, uh, respected, right? Like not just mm-hmm. not yeah. just by his teammates on offense, but because of his prowess as a blocker, he's earned some respect on the defense as well. Some of those guys know exactly how hard Luke Deal works and, and what he puts into football. Uh, he's a responsible guy. He's married. You know, I, I would point out like this is a – you know, you're sending a guy who's been married for about a year and a half now mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to SEC Media Days, so he's a mature fifth year senior. I don't want to just I don't want to make assumptions just because you know someone found uh, a spouse, but you know, generally speaking, like I would I would put that in the uh, you know I, I would say that speaks well uh, for someone in his position. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's he's somebody the coaching staff trusts to represent the team as a leader and also handle himself well. Uh, with the attention because one of the questions is going to be how how has the how will the Auburn passing offense improve from last season and Luke Deal is you know the person they're sending up there to answer those questions and talk about uh, the uh, the quarterback battle and and all the other uh, questions that linger around the Auburn offense yeah, and I think the big thing, nothing against these guys that they got picked. I want to be very clear. I think all three of these guys, talking to them and, and getting to know them over the years, McAllister is the, is the new arrival there. But, I mean, you know, I, I talked to Cameron Stutz for the first time when he was still in high school. Uh, Deal uh, has been somebody who's been around the program for a while. These are great dudes to talk to. They're going to represent Auburn well, which is the ultimate, you know, mission statement, I think, of any coach who, who sends anybody out to media days. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if – all three of these guys, if none of them end up becoming like long-term starters this season, that's the interesting case. McAllister, a guy that they are really – Auburn's really high on with what he can do as a leader, what he brings to the team. There's a lot of off-the-field stuff that Auburn has been promoting um, that uh, you know Elijah McAllister has. Guy who went to Vanderbilt. Great interview um uh, spring practice. Dan, I don't know. Were you there the day that I, Elijah I skipped, talked? I skipped Elijah McAllister to have watched his footage, you know, on, the, on the image and website. How common how common are PhD students in the SEC? Like how, how normal I is it? I can't say there's been very many. How how normal is it for a guy to, and I know COVID, uh, the extra year of eligibility has yeah. extended some careers, but the the fact that Elijah McAllister is a guy who's already earned his masters and is working towards a PhD in the College of Education, like I don't know how many PhD candidates there are playing college yeah. football in the conference. Like this is a guy with not just not not just he didn't just impress the coaching staff in the limited time they've had with him. Oh, they've had that time with everybody because they right. just got here. But he didn't just impress the coaches and teammates uh, on the on the practice field and in the weight room. Uh, but he's also somebody with a story to tell, right? I mean, that you know, to, yeah. to be pursuing really his one. PhD. So yeah, mm-hmm. I can see why this is somebody uh, that they feel comfortable with. You know, le- leadership. You know, se- seems to be something. You know, Hugh Freeze had to make a he had to make a judgment call here because it's. He's only had a couple of a couple of months to figure out who, who the who the best options are, but he, you know, with with Deal and with Elijah McAllister, and for folks who know Cam Stutz, you know, this is yeah. true of Cam Stutz as well. But for those two, like th- there's, you know, th- there is a, a reason to believe they are leaders within the team. Yeah, McAllister also taking a transfer, I think, is 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 something like, like you know, hey, if you are. As heavy in the transfer portal as Auburn has been this offseason, bringing somebody who was a transfer makes a ton of sense. A sense Stutz in the mix for a guard spot this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. 
Uh, he's got some starter experience, of course. Offensive line has obviously been one of the biggest uh, storylines of this offseason for Auburn, so sending one there makes a ton of sense. Interesting that it wasn't any of the three guys that we feel like almost assuredly are going to be starters, but again, Stutz has, has been around. It's just uh, it's an interesting mix because I think if you're talking about the on-field um, resumes of some of the guys that Auburn had coming back, they had DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett both turned down the NFL to come back. And and James has, has spent a lot of the offseason getting a lot of buzz. Surprised that he wasn't one of those. Keontae Scott, a guy that, you know, was really, uh, you know, kind of lining himself up to be a, a leader in the in the spring. And he still is. He still will be. But, like, another guy that um, – a returning guy that would, would have made a lot of sense there. Javarius Johnson, the short king, painter's guy. Uh, been been around Auburn for a while now, and and Marcus Harris. We'll, we'll talk about Marcus Harris's younger brother here in a moment. Marcus Harris, another transfer came in. He's been through a lot in in this short time at Auburn. A senior guy that you would expect to be one of the key players up front for him this year. So, on the field, you probably could have gone with some more guys that have a little bit more name recognition to the league. But like you said, Dan, like there's reasons behind why they pick these dudes, and I think a lot of it is, um, you know, just. Uh, the stories that these guys can tell and just kind of what they represent to the team in this, you know, certain situation. Yeah, I think it's uh, two, two disclaimers, right? One, it seems clear that if they were picking the three guys that are on paper, the three most impactful players going into this season, they would have picked three other players. And that's not a slight against any of them, but it's like if the experts were sort of ranking, like who were the most impactful on-field players for Auburn this year. I don't know if these three guys – like, I, I forget exactly where they were drafted by us uh, mm-hmm. recently, but I mean, yeah. so so but so it's clearly about other things, and, and I guess that's the so, – so it's important to know they weren't just factoring in projected on-field value. I think there's also the consideration yeah. of comfort level with the media – how responsible these guys are, the, the the way they've been leaders on and off the field. You know, a lot of, lot of variables went in. The other disclaimer is we don't know who was asked and maybe passed on it because there are some players who aren't looking forward to the opportunity to sit uh, in, in that, you know, in, in, the, in the big – if you've never been in the big room at SEC Media Days, I have a little bit of public speaking experience – in rooms Slightly. that size, from from my days uh, d- doing a, a speech and debate, uh, but, but like uh, for the most part, it's Were you a model UN guy. I wasn't uh, a Dan? model UN guy. I was a I was an interpreter. You know, I did some uh, some prose and some things like that. And then I gradually switched to the more extemporaneous debate things. But I believe there is a. Those are way too big of words to be using I, on this podcast. I, I believe there's a Dan Peck uh, championship trophy still somewhere in the Northwest Florida State. Uh, there we go. Halls. Uh, you know, I'll ask Chad Baker Mazzara uh, if he's uh, if if he's seen it somewhere. But I, I, I think want I, some spelling. I want some spelling bees. That's about as close to public go. speaking as I've ever gotten. So, so, but, besides but I've, this, but occasionally in, in doing again, not to hijack this and make it about uh, junior college debate, but occasionally those events would lead you to gigantic rooms full of people. Oh yeah, not not unlike the big room at media days, uh, you know, maybe without the, the cameras and, and that presence, but it's, I think a lot of people are uncomfortable in those settings. Like that's somewhere that it's, yeah. it's not something that players are looking forward uh, by and large to doing. So we don't know who Auburn presented the opportunity to and who may have passed because uh, they, they, 
you know, out of, out of shyness or uh, just just a, you know, a, la- a lack of comfort. Yeah, and I, I think you made a good point. Like, if you would have picked these beforehand, maybe deal. Like, and again, Jason knows more than anybody, um, you know, especially, especially I think more than the people involved sometimes when it comes to Auburn football uh, and, and, and other sports that he covers. But, like, outside of deal, this probably wouldn't have been anybody people would have projected. I think last year or two years ago, Somebody asked me in a mailbag, like, "Hey, who's going to media days?" And I think I, if I didn't go three for three, I came, you know, pretty close. I might have picked like four candidates, and and you know, got got all three of them that way. Um, this is different, and again, it'll be interesting to see if this is something that happens moving forward with Auburn. But I, I don't doubt these guys are going to be um, dudes that you know represent Auburn well. They'll be comfortable with the media and all that. I will say this though, for them. Um, I, I, I hope they're ready to answer a lot of questions about their teammates because that there's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be a lot, like I get why you don't send a quarterback to this thing if you're Auburn. I get why you don't send uh, non-senior star players, right? And there are a few of them uh, on Auburn's team for sure. But in that case, like when you're a tight end that's been more of a blocker than a receiver in your career, if you're a guy like Elijah McCaustry who hadn't had a ton of statistical production. Uh, recently uh, as an SEC transfer. And if you're Cameron Stutz and you're an offensive lineman that wasn't one of the hype transfers that came in this year for Auburn, um, you're going to get a lot of questions about other dudes. And they're they're familiar with that. That's what spring practice, you know, that's a good crash course for that. But uh, I think you're going to get a lot of that in Nashville. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, I guess the the more scandal-adjacent elements of the Auburn offseason or even Hugh Freeze's career are things that could come up. At media days, I don't know if the players will be asked about, you know, Hugh Freeze's past transgressions, and and if if so, I would I would expect no comments or, or something along the lines of of no comments, but maybe not, you know, maybe, maybe we'll they because because I think you know some some we were talking about this on the drive today, the notion that Hugh Freeze might be asked more about the embarrassing or the you know so, somewhat uncomfortable aspects of his past at yeah. media days that then he's faced thus far as Auburn head coach and I don't know if he's necessarily going to shy away from it he's not somebody who wants to dwell on it a ton but Hugh Freeze strikes me as someone who understands you can't change the past it's it plays a role in who you are now and the Hugh Freeze story includes the things that got him terminated at Ole Miss if he's going to redeem himself and and find a way to make this work at Auburn. The other bit of news uh, that's happened over the last few days is uh, a commitment that we talked about uh, on our last public podcast, our last uh, free feed podcast last week with – no, was it free? No, actually it was our it was our, uh, our paid podcast, right, with Christian? Yeah, that was, a, that was a paywalled one. Yes, it was a paywalled one because we have something important to talk off of that, but – uh, it, it, if you're an Inner Circle member, subscribe to the Auburn Observer. $6 a month or $60 a year. There are links and, and buttons and, and whatnot everywhere to do it. Um, getting some more people uh, jumping on board here the last last couple of weeks. I think we're getting closer and closer to real football season. People are getting excited, so hop on board. It's a great time to do so. Um, if, you, if you missed that last podcast with Christian, a lot of great recruiting info in there. Um, and one of the guys we talked about was Malik Blockton who committed to Auburn on Saturday. Uh, Malik Blockton, uh, consensus four-star uh, defensive lineman from uh, Pike Road. Um, his 
his his ratings are, are interesting. I think Rivals has him as a as a solid four star. The rest of him as a three, but he's so high enough with a three and all that, where it all equates out that in the composite on two four seven, he's a, he's a four star. Um, very very productive player uh, last season at um, at Pike Road. Um, this is a guy that uh, this is a stats from uh, Brian Matthews, uh, friend of the friend of the program there. Uh, at, at, at AuburnSports.com. 109 tackles, 37 tackles for loss, and 12 sacks. That is quite productive. Um, Auburn ended up getting the commitment from Blythe. He's 6'4", 275. Texas was in the mix. Alabama, Florida, others uh, had a really impressive offer sheet. But he ends up committing to Auburn. He commits to Auburn, uh, which is, uh, coincidentally, or not coincidentally, uh, the, uh, the current home of his older brother, Marcus Harris, another Pike Road product who started his career at Kansas, and we just mentioned him earlier, uh, as a guy who will be a senior defensive lineman and a leader for Auburn this year. Uh, he told Christian Clemente, our, our pal, that he's not making the decision based off of Marcus. Um, you know, there's a chance that he might they might not play together. I think Marcus could come back for one more season, a COVID year, uh, but he's a senior, and so he's coming up on the end of his, uh, on the end of his career. Um, Blockton making the pick, staying close to home uh, for Auburn. Good defensive line pickup, and we talked about it in recent mailbag and 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 the, and the podcast with Christian. Line of scrimmage is where Auburn really needs to 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 um, hit the uh, turbo button uh, when it comes to this rebuild under uh, Hugh Freeze. And still waiting for an offensive lineman. Uh, some some guys that had Auburn in their in their last few um, have have gone elsewhere at this point. But defensive lineman, getting somebody who you know what kind of program he's coming from. You know what kind of family he's coming from, uh, and and the production kind of speaks for itself. And the offer sheet as well. You may see that and say, "Oh, three star from most places." No video. Look at who his his final list uh, was made up of, and look at the teams that offered him. This is a guy that uh, a lot of really good powerhouse programs thought uh, they wanted in their class. So, so on on Malik Blockton, um, I, I happen to have a friend who until recently was pretty well sourced within the Pike Road program. I do the okay. Troy I do the Troy women's basketball. Troy is coached by Shanda Rigby. Her husband Ed Rigby was until recently the head coach of Pike Road football. He's now at Laverne, but he coached Malik Blockton these last couple of years. Talked to Ed this weekend about what kind of player Auburn is getting. He told me uh, that and Ed's been coaching high school football a long time. He said Malik improved uh, more from the beginning of his sophomore year to the end of his junior year than just about any other player Ed Rigby has been around. This is a kid who's wanted an Auburn offer for a really long time. It was his dream uh, to get an Auburn offer, and now that he's getting one, uh, he's accepting it. He also mentioned uh, you know, just a super high-character kid, You know, the, the kind of guy that you want in your college football program. And so the reviews seem, uh, you know, the the... The from from somebody who was up close on it, you know, rave reviews about the player uh, that Malik Blo- that, that Malik Blockton is, and the kind of player that Auburn is getting. As as far as what it could mean for recruiting, we've talked about if you've got a SEC caliber guy in the radius, right in the immediate in the splash zone around your program, you need to be securing players like that. Keldrick Falk was an example of that, right yep. at Highland Home. It don't matter. Uh, you know, in, in, in Highland Home, uh, J.C. Hart, uh, yeah. just in the in the shadow of of Jordan Hare, is an example of that. Like those are the kind of guys. If you get if you know when they're that close, uh, 
I mean, yes, you want to be expanding the recruiting out to hotbeds outside of the region, but when you've got someone in the region, like, go get them. And with Malik blocked and Auburn is doing exactly that. Yeah, and, and you know, recently, very recently, you, you get Joseph Phillips uh, from Tuskegee, ended up plucking him from, from, from Georgia's clutches. Again, we talked Cam Coleman in the last one right down the road at Phoenix State, but there's there's been some other ones um, in, in that immediate vicinity. You know you're not going to get them all, but there's some really good football played in this corridor and going south. It doesn't – no disrespect to y'all because you have to recruit, recruit those areas as well. It doesn't all have to be the Birmingham kids. It doesn't all have to be – when you talk about in-state talent, I mean, Auburn's got a really good running back recruit from Andalusia. Um, you know, the Mobile area, they've picked up a few guys there recently. So – you know, a lot of attention goes to the Hoovers and the, um, you know, the the Thompsons and, and those kind of programs. And they produce a ton of awesome players, there's no doubt about it. But closer to the area where Auburn is and then in the south where there's, you know, uh, South Alabama where you're not close to Tuscaloosa or, you know, you're not close to another SEC program, that's an area where I think, you know, it's really stepped up. You know, as someone who used to live in the Wiregrass area, there seems to be a lot more guys coming out from that area that are SEC caliber than there were like when I was in high school and, and, and further on back. Um, and then, of course, yeah, the Montgomery area uh, and going on down. Yeah, and, I've, and I'm always pushing, and it's maybe the bias that you know has you talking about the Andalusia recruit. You know, I'm, I'm always thinking, you know, that area between Panama City and Pensacola, Yep, Auburn is outside of Florida State. Auburn is the closest major program yeah. to to those schools, and there is I don't know how many kids come out of that that sort of region and jump into the SEC every year. But I mean, you look in Panama City and Pensacola schools, Fort Walton Beach, Niceville, Choctaw, like like that whole that whole zone, like they tend to to make pretty deep playoff runs. And there's you know there's there's quality football that's been played for a while. A couple of the a couple of the best programs in the state are are in those are in are in those areas, and so yeah, I've always thought that was that was a place where Auburn or another program in the southeast would probably do well to target Panama City and Pensacola, just because it doesn't seem like there's yeah. you know a, a ton of other interest from from other places. So Blockton again, we we say it a lot. If you get a kid who's always wanted an Auburn offer. And you hear a ton about his work ethic and the improvement. I mean, those are guys you want to have, and those are guys that can can, can turn into to freaks down the line with the right coaching and development for sure. And Auburn's had a few of those uh, in its in its history. Uh, Brian Matthews passed along. I guess someone had a Marlon Davidson comp for Malik. I, I was Lockton, wondering. Yeah, which, I did see that. I'm glad you brought that up because I because you know obviously Marlon huge recruit coming out of Greenville, another you know in that area of, of South Alabama. Um, but yeah, I mean, just that really good work ethic and that high motor. I mean, that's the thing about Marlon. Marlon was an awesome player, but you got to remember it was, you know, the depth chart was what it was. Roster was different. You got Marlon was the guy who starred as a true freshman, not Derek Brown. And a part of the reason why Marlon got on the field so much is like, not saying Derek didn't do this, but like Auburn needed a guy at that position and he just busted his tail every single snap and you know his that breakout game when Auburn beat Mississippi State on the road where he had the crazy force fumbles and like running up the field to make big play like that's you know you, you you'd love to take guys like that 
uh, as much as you can. So, you know, Marlon obviously was a great talent and and, and, and a much higher rated recruit than what Blockton is at right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if Blockton gets some more buzz, especially if he puts together another year like he just had at Pike Road. That's Those numbers are, are, are nothing to sneeze at for sure. All right, so we mentioned the last podcast uh, with uh, with our buddy Christian Clemente. I encourage everybody to check it out if you haven't already. Subscribe if you're not a subscriber. There was like 40 minutes of recruiting talk, and then like the final 27 minutes were all about restaurants. Um, and that has prompted some reaction online from, from, from those in the inner circle. I want to shout out uh, to inner circle member Murph, who says... The People Want a Food podcast. doesn't have to be long. You can spotlight different areas of Auburn Opelika or discuss new places to eat and drink, rank food, possibilities are endless. Um, Painter, this falls in line with something that you've talked about recently, which is uh, which is business expenses. And I feel, like, I feel like the people are pushing for it, and we might need to do some bonus ones. I, I would love – we'll get it closer to the year. I would love to do a podcast like right before football season starts – uh, where we run through, hey, you're coming into Auburn. You haven't been to Auburn uh, in a while. Here's where you need to eat. Or, hey, you're going on the road. Um, you know, you're you're going to an SEC road trip. Here's where you need there. I, I think there's some bonus podcasts in the future where we can definitely uh, 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 take advantage of that. You so the, keep an eye the, out of that. The Auburn Knob Observer, G N A W. That's pretty good. The Knob Observer. Also. Murph pointing out, um, and it's a couple other people did as well. Um, roosters, um, Dan. It seems like you were a few buildings down from the from the correct spot, uh, but it was directly across from Louder, which is where an apartment complex is now. Before Roosters, it was a Milo's. Murph points out, and Milo's making its grand return to Auburn uh, here in the near future. I believe across across West Mag from the new business building, Triple H, mm-hmm. uh, is is where you can find which the is actually which is what they call it. That's what they call it on campus, Triple H. Uh, Justin, I, th- I thought you'd get a kick out of that. You know, since we're uh, talking departed restaurants too, since uh, R.I.P. Roosters, uh, we we probably should have given uh, uh, Finley's another uh, another another shout out, right? Uh, shout out, fin- my dad worked at my dad worked at Finley's once upon a time. Uh, shout out to shout out to Finley's. Shout the out chicken, to the chicken Italian baby. The, the chicken Italian sandwich also on the list of of sandwiches you remember from like a long time ago. Like I, I distinctly remember the taste of that thing. It's like when um, it's like when uh, like when when the flush like shut down and like everybody was like, all right, here uh, you need to bring back that ice cream, like that kind of vibe again. And it's like whoever does that is going to make a ton of money. If you're thinking of opening a restaurant in Auburn in anywhere in the near future, and if you can bring back the chicken Italian on your menu, you're gonna make money. Yeah. Like, like you will, you will, uh, you, you will benefit. Don't worry about it. I, I believe the the Bagwell family knows the secrets of the chicken Italian. There you uh, go. Somehow, so that's that's a clue. Shout I would out, throw people. Sh- shout out to the shout out to the mighty mighty Bagwells. That's right. Shout out to the Bagwell family. I think I think I don't want to spread rumors here. I think they know the room. And, and you know, I wouldn't even say restaurant food truck. Right, sell, oh, sell yeah, me some absolutely. sell me some chicken Italians around town, man. We're we're giving we're giving these ideas away. We're gonna do some bonus food podcast. I mean, that's the, the the people are demanding them. We're gonna do that closer to football season. Don't don't you worry because this is something again near and dear to my heart. I I, I got into this business to to eventually become a food person. Um, Buff the, and the other Bagwell brothers. Yes, <laughs> Buff and uh, let's see, were there any other ones? 
Well, I don't know. If, I, yeah, I, I don't think he had. I don't think he had a family or anything like that. Yeah, I, I, I get him. And Jeff I get, Jeff Bagwell, I guess, would be the other one. Jeff Bagwell. I for some reason I get back. I, I get I get uh, I get Buff uh, Bagwell. Like I lump him in with the Steiners. Like yeah. especially like the, the like the big Papa Pomp era. Um, this this will all this will all make more sense in our WCW podcasts. Yes, our looking back when I keep watching all the old episodes of WCW Saturday Night. Uh, but Painter, we're we're gonna get we're gonna get your uh, your way of uh, avoiding taxes um, figured out. Don't worry, don't worry. You'll be you'll be on board with that. All right, let's take care of some business before we get to the meat of today's show because we got a little game we want to play. Uh, but first, said it just a moment ago. Subscribe to the Auburn Observer, six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. There are buttons, there are links. AuburnObserver.com, easiest way to sign up. You get emailed everything to you. I used to say it comes out at six o'clock. Every morning, the emails come in like a few minutes later. Now it's something with Substack and emails. I don't, I don't know, um, but you get it in the morning. You get it before most of y'all wake up. I know there's some of y'all who wake up um, that early, and God bless you. Uh, but you know, we've we've uh, we've got that coming your way. Newsletters, podcasts. Uh, we got some fun stuff in the works, like uh, the food podcast uh, that you're gonna want to uh, do. Uh, you want to be a part of if you are a subscriber. Like we said, also. Be in media days next week in Nashville. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out from there. Uh, you can also help us out in another way uh, with absolutely no more money down. Painter, tell them about it. Rate, review, subscribe, leave us five stars, line or two, follow the show. We do appreciate it. It, it helps us out a lot. The algorithm, trying to boost it up. The comments help a lot. We haven't we haven't got a fresh comment in a while, so you can be the one. Uh, we will shout you out. We're vain people. Uh, but they do help us out a ton, the five stars. And you can also give us five stars on Spotify. Also, let's shout out our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel, the number one place to buy collegiate vintage apparel. We're talking the softest t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, joggers. They got quarter zips now. They got a ton of stuff at Homefield Hats. Um, with the best designs that you're going to find anywhere. A lot of cool Auburn stuff, uh, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, general Auburn-ness uh, that, you, that you like. 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com if you use the promo code OBSERVER when checking out. Additionally, you can get the official Auburn Observer t-shirt. If you like our logo and love to have it on a t-shirt, you can get it at homefieldapparel.com. Just search Auburn Observer. Big news this week, Oregon finally getting uh, added to the home field roster at long last. So it's a big week for some of us who have been waiting on that. Uh, and yeah. There's a lot of cool schools there. It doesn't just have to be Auburn. Auburn fan, if you have an affinity for another school, there's probably a home field stuff uh, for it. Or if you just say, hey, that stuff looks cool and it's comfortable, I'm going to get that. So you can do that. Troy, uh, I have I have several Troy pieces in my in my collection. I got a free I got a free suggestion for the home field people. All right. Because because UConn won the championship in men's basketball, they should do one where the dog is happy. Right, because UConn's the <laughs> national champion. Like they just got kind that, of face tune it. Yeah, just a little, little bit of a, little bit of a smile on that dog because they, because uh, uh, they won the national championship, and they'll probably be, you know, a, a top three team, if not the consensus number one going into this season as well. It's yep. a, uh, it's an impressive program they got going on there in, uh, in, in stores. Let's move on to the main topic of today's podcast. We're gonna play a little game. Like you said, it's SEC Media Day season coming up here real soon. Should Painter insert music if we play a game? Should he should he find some game show music and yeah yeah and, yeah? And throw Let's it put in? some game show music in here, Painter. Um, 
put it on in the background while we talk. Find some uh, public to, domain game show music. Yeah, there we go. We've got a game that we're going to play. We're going to look at the SEC schedule for Auburn. And this will be kind of a way to talk through our thoughts on some of these teams and kind of where Auburn plays them and when Auburn plays them. Uh, but we're going to play a game that you probably are familiar with if you have done this for college football. I think they do this in the regular season. I know they do this in bowl season like ESPN and other places. We're going to play a confidence game. And I, I was going to do this with the whole schedule, and then it was just like, well, the non-conference was, is softer. So it, it's a little bit more interesting if you do it with the SEC schedule. But here's Auburn's SEC schedule for the year. I'm going to say it in order just so we can lead off. Starts in week four at Texas A&M. Week five against Georgia at home. Week seven following an off week at LSU. Week eight against Ole Miss at home. Week nine, Mississippi State at home. Week 10 at Vanderbilt. Week 11 at Arkansas. And then finally week 13 at home against Alabama. That is Auburn's SEC schedule. This is what we're going to do. Fun little game. The three of us are going to assign confidence points to each of these games. And basically the way it is is you give eight to the to the game you feel like, the SEC game you feel like Auburn has the best chance of winning, seven for the next, work it all the way down. Uh, if you don't think Auburn's going to win or you think it's a really, really long shot, you put that at one, you, you know what to do. And then we'll try to keep track of this throughout the season um, and at the end of the year, add it up, see – you know who who had the most uh, points at the end, depending on how Auburn did this year. Just another way to kind of look at the season, uh, and, and you know play along with us at home as well. You can uh, you know comment, tweet them at us, uh, give us your list, and uh, we'll we'll keep track of them and and see who does uh, the best work here. But eight seven six five four three two one is where we're gonna go. I think the best way to do this, I'm gonna give time for the three of us to come up with their list if we haven't done it already. I've kind of got most of mine in my head right now. And then we'll go game by game, and we'll just say, hey, this is what number we put on it, and then, and then talk about the games that way. Does that work? All right. We're going to have a cute little music right here, and then we'll come back. All right. Let's bat lead off here. Texas A&M week four. At Kyle Field in College Station, Auburn will be coming off of their game against uh, Sanford, uh, that ho- that early homecoming. Uh, Auburn's openers, by the way, or first three games, UMass at Cal, Sanford. Texas A&M, by the way, New Mexico at Miami in an interesting Week 2 game. And then they play ULM at home right before they play Auburn. Gentlemen, Texas A&M, Auburn at Texas A&M in Week 4. Four. What kind of number are we putting on this from a scale of one to eight or eight to one, however, uh, you feel like is the best way to do it? What kind of conference we're get, giving us? Uh, Dan, I want you to bat lead off here. Dangerous game. Uh, I think this is a re- it's going to be a really important game for Jimbo Fisher. Potentially, we've talked about how in that first six, you know, he's under as much pressure as just about anybody. Uh, in college football going into this season. I, I don't think he would be able to survive a a mediocre year and teams are pulling the plug earlier than ever before. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on A&M to win that game because if not, uh, they've got Arkansas and Alabama. I think the next two weeks, Arkansas is in 
Arlington and then the Alabama games in College Station. I mean, Jimbo Fisher could be and then on they the, ha- And then they go at Tennessee. And then they go to week. Tennessee, and then, and then an off week. Jimbo Fisher's on the ropes if Auburn goes to College Station and wins that game. They've recruited extremely well on the defensive line, but I got some questions about A&M's offense. Even with Petrino coming in, uh, every – Every part of that team has valid questions on on offense. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with a five a for five. Okay. for Auburn A and M. Okay. So five for Dan with Auburn and A and M. Uh Painter, where are we where are we going with, with you? I would put this at four, so it is in the very middle, I guess. Um mm-hmm. similar to Dan. If Auburn can win this game. I think there is a very clear path to eight wins. They might get there another way, but I think if you win this one, this one for Auburn might tip the scales uh, for Hugh Freeze and his staff going from solid first season to overachieving. You know, if at last I checked, the over-under was still at six and a half. Uh, maybe that's changed since I've looked, but I you know, if you get to eight, and a half is still where they're at. yeah, if you get to eight wins and you were set at six and a half, that's that's a you know, especially on the heels of the last two years, that's a great year. Yeah, that's I I, I agree uh, with Painter. I'm I, I put it this one as a four as well. I have questions about A and M. Obviously, like anybody, um, mainly how is the Bobby Petrino Jimbo Fisher marriage going to work? Um, that is a very combustible staff of combustible personalities, and that is like the two that I'm really keeping an eye on. Obviously, like everyone else, Anna was so bad on offense last year, um, and it's just like, how much is that going to change? How much can we expect it to change when you still have the same head coach and you probably are going to have the same type of offense going in? A&M's definitely recruited well, especially like Dan said on the line of scrimmage. This is a very talented team, um, but we know that talent doesn't guarantee you a, a win every time. And I, I'm curious to see what A&M looks like in the Miami game. I think their test, that test, is going to be tougher than what Auburn gets in Week Two against Cal for sure. Um, but I, it, it is one of those games. I'm kind of in the middle of the road. I, I, I had said it when we talked about this earlier in the offseason. This is a hinge point game for Auburn. You can look at it as, you know, what can take you from a good season to a great season or an average season to a good season, whatever you want to call it. Like this, this is a big kind of flex game, and AM will be favored, and AM's got more natural talent. Uh, but I, I can't, maybe this is wrong of me to think their defense is going to be rock solid, I think, again. Um, I just keep going back in my head to just how bad they were on offense. Like they were really really bad uh and you know i watched a lot of bad auburn offense last year uh and yet a&m just looked really inept uh out there and like how much of that is going to change good petrino uh, and a good marriage between petrino and 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 uh and fisher there's real you know there's real potential here bobby petrino when his offense is clicked they really click and he knows how to develop uh quarterbacks and and, uh, and 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 good passing games that pro style really fits him. Um, got Lamar Jackson to a Heisman and turned him into a first rounder. Like that's that's what good Petrino is capable of. It is interesting though on the road. You know, I, I think I think on the road this is where this game is is 
interesting because I don't see A and M like I, I've yet to go to an A and M game and think, man, that is a really intimidating, crazy place to play. I know when they have like beaten Alabama or like there have been some big games there. Like it's it's been that way. It's just different. It's like a it's like a hum more than anything, uh, like a drone, a buzzing from that crowd. And look, if they're if they're sliding and if they're not you know doing so hot there, and they know what's coming up, it could get real ugly real quick for them. So it's 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 going to be a tough game, but I don't think it's you know near the tough toughest that Auburn is going to face this year. I think it's potentially winnable if some things break right. But again, if state or state, if A and M plays like they are capable of and what their talent level is, uh, they're going to win a decent amount of games this year, and they better because they're paying Jimbo Fisher a lot of money and they're investing a lot of money in recruiting and 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 resources and all that to not be as bad as they they have been. All right, so that was the A and M game, and then Georgia, week five, at home. I'll start off here. This is my number one. This is the one I have the least amount of confidence in. Two-time, uh, two-time national champions, back-to-back. They're going to be good. They've had Auburn's number for the better part of a decade now. I don't see – like, long-term, I don't think Georgia is going to be this destructive um, forever, like, as, 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 as good as they've been the last two seasons. It's cyclical. Um, and I think – the ultimate goal for a team like Auburn is that you get to a point where you are more competitive with them. Year one, this early in a year one, probably not going to be it. Um, if Auburn can have a competitive game for the first time in a while against Georgia, I don't want to say that's a success because you know people don't like moral victories and all that, but like it is a step forward if you can hang with Georgia more than you have the last few years. But it's going to be really tough to beat them even at home uh, in this early in the year. It's 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 a little different than another one. Uh, that we'll talk about later. So I, I got Georgia's one. Are y'all are y'all at the same spot? Yeah, I, I would agree. Georgia's recruited so well these last couple of years, and and they've lost players to the draft, and and they'll have to play a quarterback who hasn't played very much for them, uh, regardless of who wins that job. Uh, but it's still, you know, they're they're the favorite to win it all. Like they're, you know, they're the two time defending national champion, and despite everything they've lost. They still look to have the best roster on paper going into the season, even with the game at home. Uh, there, that's also that's also going to be the one uh, that gets my one pointer. And I guess I would add on to that with uh, you know Stetson Bennett probably was a little bit underrated for a while, and then people sort of tripped over themselves to talk about how good he was. Um, and you know they have proven that even with that position sort of having a question mark, everything around it is. Um, you know they're just replenishing and and their line play seemingly is going to be so good an area that Auburn's still trying to catch up in I just it doesn't you can convince me of ways in which Auburn could find themselves upsetting LSU or Alabama even if I think it's unlikely you really cannot I I don't understand how Auburn's supposed to upset Georgia this year yeah it's going to be a build and I think I talked about it recently in in a mailbag the reason why Auburn got rid of Gus Malzahn, why they parted ways. One of the big reasons was rivals and Georgia being the main one of them, they had just fallen behind. They have done better than anybody has ever done against Alabama, but you know they weren't the only ones. And so it's going to be a build to get to that point. It was a build for Georgia to get this good uh, uh, the way they did. And I know, you know, year two under Kirby, they they almost pulled pulled it off, but. 
Um, you know, it's it, this is years and years of recruiting like a machine. And for Auburn, you got to recruit better. You got to get better at the line of scrimmage, and you got to have the quarterback play to get you over the hump. And we've seen that. We've seen that work in the past with Auburn. But Georgia's making it tougher and tougher with just the the level of recruiting and success that they've had. All right, so after that, Auburn has an off week, and then it is LSU on the road. Um, Painter, where are you going with this one? This one actually is my second toughest game uh, because I could split hairs between LSU and Alabama, but I think they've got the most important position ironed out more so than Alabama does. And, of course, it is on the road. So that, uh, with, with a couple of other factors, I think, to me, gives them the nod over Alabama as Auburn's uh, probably second most difficult win to get. Auburn does have a winning streak in Baton Rouge <laughs> uh, at, at, the, at the moment. Uh, but a Streak of one. That's right. But uh, I agree with Painter. This is the game that I gave two points uh, two on my uh, on, on my scorecard. So I think it's just LSU has improved on paper from last year's team. Last year's team won the West. You know they were ahead of schedule uh, for Brian Kelly. Uh, I think you know th- there are still times when that offense looked a bit spotty, uh, but Jaden Daniels was a late arrival, uh, and they were they were sort of winging it during that first season as far as figuring out what worked on offense and what doesn't. Now he's had a full offseason as the starting quarterback. They're bringing him to media days uh, next week. Yeah, I, I would think this is an LSU team that's that's probably not going to drop very many, if any, home games this season. Yeah, this is a two for me as well. It's LSU. It's Death Valley. I think they're better than they were last season. And like you said, Dan, they won the SEC West. Um, this team is really uh, they they're on the verge potentially doing something special in the west long term uh and hanging with alabama i think you know consistently because they recruit like crazy they have a coach that has been very very successful in the past and i think they just need to iron out a couple things before they are kind of consistently rolling which i know is kind of eluded lsu through most of its history but it does seem like they have the they have the setup to do so there's not going to be a West long term. is is the only issue. Yeah, this that's is a good last, point. Yeah, it's the last yeah, season that's of the, a, but, that's a great but they point. do they do set up as I was really a paren- How about this in a in a bigger in a bigger playoff field in an expanded playoff field? Oh yeah, yeah. LSU sets up as a perennial playoff team the way they've recruited and and with Brian Kelly's track record in mind. So yeah, I mean, just talk about this way, guys. We. The first three SEC games for Auburn we have at one, two, and four, one, two, and five. You know, it's it could get kind of rough early, which is why Auburn needs to take advantage of that non-conference schedule and then pick themselves off the mat and and, and keep going uh, and, and try to rally because you know they could be a much improved team. They could be where they need to be this season uh, and, and and take a step forward and also lose several of these games because they're not going to be favored in any of them. Um, all right. Then Auburn plays Ole Miss at home, and boy, howdy, is this a game that is going to be really, really just dripping with storyline and narrative and just all the stuff that makes college football 
just a step above, I think, uh, some other sports in this regard. Um, obviously, Auburn's connection with Lane Kiffin. Obviously, some of the really tight and competitive and um, nerve-wracking games they've played recently. And obviously, Hugh Freeze's history with Ole Miss now that he's back in the SEC. Dan, you have tried to make this like the unofficial like fourth rivalry for Auburn. Um, I I think that's a I think that's getting increasingly closer to that point. Um, I'll I'll let you I'll let you bat bat first here. Where are we going? I've got this as the six pointer on my yep. schedule. Auburn historically is very good at home against Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss only has three wins at Jordan Hare Stadium uh, in in their history. Uh, so it's it's not a rivalry where Auburn has dropped very many home games. Generally, when Auburn is average or better and they play Ole Miss at Jordan Hare, Auburn wins the game. Uh, so it's a you know what while this could be a better than average Ole Miss team, I would still think that on paper Auburn's got the better looking roster at the moment. Auburn has recruited. It's out of high school at, at a higher level than Ole Miss for, for most of the last couple of these years. I know Lane Kiffin relies heavily on the portal. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins is a superstar. He might be my vote for SEC Player of the Year uh, when we go to media days next week. That's how highly uh, I think of, of the Ole Miss running back, the Alabama native who almost came to Auburn, uh, if, uh, if, if memory serves. Uh, but... I think this is going to be a tough one for Ole Miss. I think they're walking into a hornet's nest, and I think this is an oppor- a big opportunity for Hugh Freeze, maybe a game he wants. You know, Tuberville used to get up for Arkansas. I could, see Hugh, I could see Hugh Freeze. I could see the players recognizing how important the Ole Miss game is to Hugh Freeze and, and treating it like one of the biggest games on the schedule. I got six points for Auburn Ole Miss. And again, Gus got really up for Arkansas as well. That man loved beating Arkansas. Um, and and yeah, I I uh, I like where your head's at there, Dan Painter. Where'd you go with here? Yeah, it's hard to say who this means more to, Hugh or Lane. Auburn was competitive in the game last year, even with everything it had going on. As Dan points out, it's at home where Auburn usually plays very well against Ole Miss. Auburn has the better roster. Uh, I've got this as a uh, five-pointer for me. Five-pointer for, for Painter. You've got uh, – so we're, we're all kind of in the same ballpark where, where I think – I've also got it as a six as well. The edge I'm giving this over a couple other – over another one really is, that I had it back and forth with is the fact that, like, I, I think just the, the mindset and the prep for this game is just going to be so so high for Auburn, and, and just the want to is just going to be it's going to mean a little more. Um, they all mean a lot, but it's going to mean a little more. The one thing about this one is also you're coming off of a road game at LSU that could be really tough. You could be coming off of two, maybe three losses in a row at this point. So it'll be interesting. Like, this is a perfect get right, you know, get back right, or man, start stacking some impressive uh, performances, kind of stretch here for Auburn. Uh, Ole Miss, again, I have no idea what they're going to do at quarterback this year. They decided to get every transfer quarterback in the country. Uh, Quinshot Jenkins is probably going to run the ball 50 times a game uh, this year. Like you said, Dan. What do you, what do you think of Judkins' player of the year? I think that's an easy uh, pick um, coming in for sure. Uh, 
Some people may go with Jaden Daniels, uh, but you know, I think I, I think that's a I think that's a fine one. There's there's numbers for KJ and and Will Rogers, you know, sure. arguments, but but you know, I don't think anyone has either of those teams contending for the league. Although I don't know, Ole Miss, I guess, also fair to wonder about. But I, I might, if I had to vote right now, I think I would go Judkins. Yeah, Judkins is it's great, fantastic running back. Um, you you kind of wonder why the previous staff didn't really go as hard uh, to get getting him another. Pike Road kid, um, you know, a lot Ole of Pike Miss coming off a Ole Miss coming off a bye week. By the way, when they uh, when they come to yeah. Auburn, that's a uh, it, it's a fortuitous piece of scheduling for them. Oh, absolutely. So uh, it's going to be a big one, and I, I I think that's one that one is going to be circled on a lot of calendars as as one of the most impressive ones to watch. Uh, most impressive, one that's, of the most intense ones to watch this season. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I've seen some posts on social media seen some things on threads about uh the uh the upcoming I, I think it's october 21st is a loaded day for college football i believe auburn will miss is one of several games on that day that's i mean that that's one of those you could be putting in the 12 hours of work like all, all day long watching watching huge matchups want to say bama tennessee is also uh, on October 21st, you know, just just off the top of my head, but I believe there's a ton of of monster matchups that day. All right, Mississippi State is the next one at home. Auburn going back to back with the Mississippi schools before they don't play them either of them in 2024. Funny, funny there they play LSU, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State all in a row. They don't play any of those teams in 2024 for the first time in a while. Mississippi State, I'll go ahead and bat uh, first here. Uh, this is my eight. This is my eight. Um, I am, and, and, and I, and I, the, the surprise on both of y'all's faces is, is warranted. Um, but it's at home for Auburn. I, guys, I don't know what to expect from, from Mississippi State this year. Um, there's a level of this as well, where I think like, it's like Auburn needs to get back on the winning side against state. They've won the last two. Um, I, I, and I, and I'll go in to detail in the next one why I went with this as my eight instead of the next pick. Um, but, yeah, Auburn at home. Um, I mean, I just think about that Auburn team in 2021 just had them dead to rights and then gave up that comeback. They could have beaten them last season. It's state. Like, even when Auburn is at its most, um, you know, dysfunctional, there's a talent level, there's a base talent level there, especially at home, that I feel like there's an edge to. They may lose this game, guys, and y- y'all can all make fun of me when they do. Uh, but State at home, I like this one more than the Vanderbilt game for a couple of reasons. And mostly it's just like, I don't know what to expect from State this year. I don't know what it's going to look like. They're, they're in a, they're, I don't want to say it's an impossible situation, but they're in such a brutal situation uh, coming into this season um, that I'm just I'm, I'm very curious where to go. I would assume you guys with your facial expressions did not have them as eights, and I'm guessing this is probably all sevens. That is correct. I'm going to jump. Oh, go, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the, the main thing I'm splitting hairs here on is Mississippi State's got Will Rogers. Yes. Yeah, that's. And a I really think good probably point. a better roster than Vandy. But I would agree with you on boy, what a difficult situation Mississippi State uh, is going through. And they're, you know, in addition to. Uh, whatever they lost in productivity, you've also got this uh, new coaching situation, um, not to mention, of course, like the difficult aspect of why they have a, a new 
coaching situation. Yeah, lost lost some of the key position players around uh, Will Rogers in addition to the tragedy uh, around Coach Leach. Uh, I'm curious to see how much Zach Arnett changes, right, and how much you want to tinker with an offense that, that at times was – as prolific as just about any in the conference uh, the last couple of seasons. But uh, it's it's also, you know, it, it's time for him to make his imprint on the team and whatever that means. The reason I was surprised, Justin, is because I thought I was going to be the only one, given the eight, to Mississippi State. Oh, okay. I, wow. I, I, I agree right. with you. You are not alone on this one, my friend. Okay. I agree with you. The game's at home, um, and it, it just it seems like a, a chance for Auburn to – uh, to to face a a team where you know of of the of the four conference home games, this one feels like the one where Auburn has the clearest talent advantage over the opponent. And so yeah, I just think there's a uh, there's you know as, as as you said, Justin, even when things are seemingly at their darkest, Auburn Auburn teams can find a way to beat Mississippi State most of the time. I would remind people Auburn won the three to two game, right? So even when things aren't going well, exactly, you know, they they found ways to beat Mississippi State. So so yeah, I'm I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Auburn uh, and and I'll give I'll give State the uh, the eight in, uh, in in this one. All right, so Vandy is the next one. Painter, gonna have a feeling you put this one as your eight. Let's talk about the Vandy game. Yeah, I guess uh, there's some good sentiment uh, towards Vandy this year. Is kind of the since I get, you know, relative to what people typically think about Vanderbilt, is that, are y'all catching that as well? I, yeah, I, I agree. My thing with, uh, my thing with, with these guys at Vanderbilt, we're going to do this again this year. It seems like it, when a, when a Vanderbilt head coach at Media Days has a really good press conference, everybody's like, oh, let's buy into Vanderbilt. But like, seriously, like, I think Vanderbilt's got more of a plan of what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. More so than they probably had in the last few cycles of coaches uh, that they've gone through. The way they finished last season, you know, caught my attention. Obviously, they weren't, you know, beating a murderer's row by any means. Uh, and then, of course, they got absolutely, you know, blasted out of the airlock by, by Tennessee at the end of the year. Uh, but, I mean, you beat Kentucky on the road. You beat Florida at home. Could have beaten Missouri. Pretty competitive against South Carolina. You know, this team, I think, for Vanderbilt has the potential to be better than we're expecting this season. And it being on the road gives me a little bit of difference. Now, Vanderbilt games on the road are usually home games for whoever's there or close to it. Um, But even still, um, it's just the stretch that Auburn's had makes it interesting. Uh, Vandy's coming off of a game against Ole Miss in that stretch. The Khaki Bowl still lives for one more year. But, uh, yeah, I, I I have it as a seven, and it was mostly because, A, I don't know what they expect out of state this year, and, B, it's a home game. This one, I have a little bit more of what to expect out of Vanderbilt. Again, they're the least talented team in the conference, but there's a plan, there's a proof of concept that they showed late in the year. I'm not saying they're going to go on a run. I'm not going to say they even reach what they did in the James Franklin era, but I think that they are – trending in a direction of this is what Vanderbilt football looks like and this is how they they want to they want to make things work yeah I, I just think it's going to be so hard with the new rules in college football to build at Vanderbilt in football I mean I, I guess the NIL opportunities of Nashville you know could be an attractive selling point but it just seems like if if the team does well 
you're going to have upperclassmen on that team that are pursued in the transfer portal by championship contending style teams. And if the team doesn't do well, the roster will break apart for reasons that we see whenever any team isn't doing well and, and the roster falls apart. So, yeah, I think that it was encouraging to see proof of concept and success last year. But sustaining anything in football is going to be so hard at Vanderbilt because you lose players like Elijah McAllister uh, because they decide while while they get a little bit of success, uh, they could contribute for a team where where maybe there's a, a higher ceiling or more traditional success, and you could lose players like that every year trying to build at Vanderbilt. All right, second to last game in SEC play for Auburn is Arkansas on the road. That is a back-to-back on the road. Auburn will be going to Fayetteville off of that game against Vanderbilt. Arkansas comes back home after playing Florida on the road. Uh, This one's a fiver for me. Uh, Again, Arkansas is a team that I feel is very similar to Ole Miss. They've got pieces. I like their head coach. I like what they've done um, here recently and picking themselves off the mat and starting to build towards the future. I have questions about kind of the stability of everything. Um, they they have one of the tougher things to do in college football, which is um, you, <laughs> you take uh, a head coach, you keep the head coach, and you change both of your coordinators. Usually that is an interesting spot to be in as a team. Um, big K.J. Jefferson guy. Early in his career, I thought he was overrated because, you know, pe- you know he ran the ball well. And it, he also struggled throwing the ball one of the first times he played against Auburn. And it wasn't impressive. Dude's done a really good job since then. He's developed well. He's a fun, fun player. But it's like Ole Miss in the fact that, like, they have gotten better as a program, but still there's that level of talent that even when Auburn is at its lower points, you're still recruiting better than them usually. And I know Arkansas has done some work in the transfer portal. Be interested to see. I'm gonna be interested to see what Travis Williams' defensive coordinator looks like at Auburn or at, at Arkansas, um, you know, f- throughout the course of a whole season. Um, we'll see. But I have this one as a five. Uh, I think if Auburn can get hot in this kind of second half of SEC play, uh, they could be they could be kind of you know pumping some things up here right uh right right there in november to try to you know finish with a flourish and and arkansas would be a a team that you feel decently confident about if this game was at home and Ole miss was on the road i'd probably flip them but the fact that it is in fadeful i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with a five here dan yeah i think the fact that it's a game on the road against a team with a quarterback as experienced as kj jefferson i agree with your point about the coordinators i think it's easier to replace an offensive coordinator when you return a quarterback as experienced as jefferson because the new guy i mean he has to implement his system but he also he has a guy who's such a proven talent that you can build around whatever kj jefferson brings that's just a game where you need your offense going because arkansas with with what they've got in the backfield next to him and what can happen in the passing game if if they get rolling on the ground like that is a you know that, that that's a team that's built to really beat you up if you if you know especially in Fayetteville you know when when they start playing with some confidence so that's a four pointer for me I've got Arkansas as my four I gave Vanderbilt seven mm-hmm. by the way but I've got Arkansas as my four pointer uh, that that's just in Fayetteville uh, with the uh, with with the players they return, 
you, you almost just assume the offensive line will be at a high quality by the end of the season because it's Sam Pittman and uh, it, you know, I'd, I'd be terrified if I were not playing well on the offensive yeah, line at right, that point right, in the year yeah. with Sam Pittman as my coach. So, yeah, I think uh, that that could be a that, that that could be a hornet's nest uh, for Auburn, you know, go, going in and playing a, a game that late in the season on the road against Arkansas. Painter. I've got Arkansas at my sixth spot, wedged between Mississippi State at seven and Ole Miss at five, uh, as y'all mentioned, an away game. So, yeah, sixth spot for me, Arkansas. Uh, one that I think Auburn uh, gets back on track after a disappointing loss last season. Fellas, it's time for the Iron Bowl. Auburn plays New Mexico State in SEC SOCON Challenge Weekend. It's now SEC, whoever you can get challenge weekend alabama will be coming off of a game against ut chattanooga it's the iron bowl folks uh i have this one as a three the reasoning behind that and i thought about moving it up to a four and a.m down to down to a three i ended up holding off because it is alabama and i and again the thing with texas a&m just keeps coming back to like man they were so bad on offense last year i'm gonna need somebody to shake me out of that uh here um i go back to one of the truths of um the iron bowl uh for for a while now uh and it's this if auburn's a good team this is a competitive game in jordan Hare stadium and you know more often than not a win uh for auburn if auburn is average or just kind of scraping in at jordan Hare, alabama can still keep it crew on cruise control and, and get a win First Iron Bowl for uh, for this administration. I am fascinated by this Alabama team. They're going to be good. They're going to be good. They're going to be good. But how good are they going to be? Um, what are they going to do at quarterback? What does this look like with uh, a new offensive coordinator that didn't necessarily light the world on fire with his appointment? Like People weren't like, whoa, they got Tommy Reese. Might not have been great because there have been some guys who – Nobody thought were great hires at Alabama, and they turn out to be phenomenal because it's what you do when you get to play with uh, and coach the most uh, talented team in the country year in and year out. This is what happens. Um, but again, it, I just keep going back to if Auburn can navigate their schedule without having a free fall or feeling like they're scraping into this one, this could be this could be uh, uh, some time for some fireworks. I got this one at a three. Um, I just feel like LSU is going to be tougher on the road, and I feel like Georgia is just, gonna be just a better football team uh, right now. Uh, Painter, where are we going with this one? I also have Alabama as a three. I think um, you can convince me that if Auburn, as you say, is playing well, Alabama turns the ball over a few times. Um, you know, it's in Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's not implausible that Auburn gets a win. I don't think it's likely, but – uh, you know, there has been the sentiment that Alabama's down. I, I wonder how much of that is a little overstated. But the quarterback position having uh, such significance and their question mark there does make me wonder if they'll have some um, some exposure against really good teams. I'm just not sure Auburn's there yet. So three spot for Alabama. Yeah, I would. Uh, I will join the party. I also gave uh, Alabama uh, the three spot on my list. Um, that that just is a. It's a roster that looks to be one of the five or ten best, uh, you know, across, across, you know, with 
when you factor in starters everywhere, like they've they've recruited as well as as ever, you know, as just about they've recruited better than everybody, but maybe Georgia, Ohio State's in the mix, but Bama's probably got a more talented roster coming into the season than even Ohio State. The game is at, is at Auburn, which is probably the tiebreaker between LSU and Alabama for me. Uh, but I still think that's your point's a good one. Like if if Auburn is playing well historically at home, uh, they they win that matchup. But that you know a lot a lot's got to be decided between now and the end of November. Uh, but but yeah, for now I would say that that looks to be an imposing matchup at the end of the season. Uh, I've got it as the uh, as as the third uh, toughest game on my list. I'm fascinated and fascinating to see what a world would look like this year if Alabama does not make it back to the SEC championship game. We have back-to-back years like that. Again, it's Saban. They're recruiting well. They, he's the he's the most successful coach to ever uh, do this at, at the collegiate level. It would be fascinating just to see what that looks like and just kind of what the reaction would be, not only just in Alabama but but outside of Alabama as well, if, if, if this isn't like super destroyer Alabama year in and year out. I keep be. wondering. I keep wondering how much of the deficiencies on Alabama's roster were covered up because they had superstars playing quarterback, right? Between Jalen and their Tua, line, their offensive line just was not good last year for yeah. what, what you expect them to be. And now you got to replace Bryce Young with good players, but unproven players and players that I think it's fair to wonder about. And the quarterback position is more important than ever before. So, yeah, I, I think it's – I mean, this this is a – I'm trying to remember the last time people had these kind of doubts about Nick Saban's Alabama team coming into the season because maybe it was Jalen's first year mm-hmm. when, when you were wondering about that with the offense. But yeah. you got to go back to – got to go back to 2016 to, uh, to, to find a, a year where there were, there were these kind of questions about what Bama has a quarterback. Maybe the year Mac Jones – won the starting job but even then um you know people were people wanted to see Bryce right you know as as a as as a true freshman step in and and take over so I, I you know I, I don't know the interesting thing here is Alabama had such a hard time by Alabama standards running the ball last season um this season and we saw a little bit of this last year this season they don't really have this like elite receiver like there's not the oh that guy wide receiver on there and they went through a long stretch where they had a lot of those dudes and Bryce being Bryce was able to overcome a lot of that for him but if this becomes more of a ball control kind of classic Alabama team depending on who the quarterback is it'd just be interesting to see how all that works out like again it wouldn't surprise no one if like oh no they're good and they go undefeated like yeah I mean come on it's, it's Alabama but they're the passing game does not have the star power that we've been used to seeing for the really since the revolution happened with the spread offense at, at Alabama. Defensively, they're going to be great. I don't care who they throw out there. It's it's Alabama. They're going to have just, you know, they're going to have monsters. Nick Saban is Nick Saban. Like, it's, they're going to be fine there. Offensively, though, there are several other teams in the SEC where you feel like their passing game has more answers at both quarterback and at wide receiver that you feel more confident in. Now, Will the five stars play like five stars and 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 turn into the next superstars? Probably, but it, it remains to be seen. And I keep going back to from an Auburn perspective in this game, when Auburn plays well and that crowd is just on full tilt for an Iron Bowl in Jordan Hare, 
all bets are off. All bets are off. I have seen that team not have as nearly enough talent to quote unquote beat Alabama, and they've done that. I've seen, hey, go back to 09. I was there uh, as a, as a fan sitting under the sitting under the old scoreboard. Like they had that team on the ropes, and that was a national championship team. Like this is a this is this is what Auburn does when they're good. The question is, will they survive that stretch to be good? It's funny we've talked about it all year long, all off season long. Hey, this schedule's not brutal for Auburn as much as it could be, and we talk about it next year. But it's still an SEC schedule. That first that first chunk of this of, of SEC play is crazy. And by the time you get to the end, there's a wide range of, of, of potential outcomes for Auburn. So it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy to see. But yeah, we're all at three there with Alabama. All right, so we've got our list. We'll keep track of it. We may go back to it at the end of the year. Uh, but uh, fun little experiment, boys. Uh, I hope I hope you I hope the folks at home enjoyed it as well. And and please feel free to give your own ranking of eight through one or one through eight, however you want to do it. Put it in the comment section, tweet them at us. We'd love to we'd love to see what you guys are thinking as well. Because we were mostly around the same, which is what I expected. There's some differentiating a little bit between our list, and that's why I think makes it kind of fun. We'll see. Yeah, I think Ole Miss, Arkansas, and A&M are three games where people could have very different takes on if you were to rank those as far as winnability for Auburn right now or likelihood that Auburn comes away as a winner. People could have very different opinions about which of those games is the toughest or which of those games uh, is the easiest. And, I mean, I think they're all valid points about – you know what to consider with those three games. Auburn could go three and zero in in those three. Auburn could have a different win loss record in uh, in those three games uh, this year. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed it at home. I hope everybody's looking forward to all the uh, all the SEC media days and food content that will be coming your way in the next few weeks and months. Hey, come on! It's about to be fall practice time. That's when that's when the observer kicks into overdrive for the next several months. We have a lot of stuff coming your way. So subscribe if you haven't already. We'll have a, a premium pod later this week. Friday will be when we uh, put that out. So you'll get a mailbag and a podcast on Friday, uh, that little two-for-one special we've been doing. Um, check that out. And, uh, yeah, appreciate everybody uh, subscribing, li- subscribing, listening, reading. Uh, love the feedback on the uh, the Brothers uh, newsletter that I, that I ran on Monday. Uh, that was really cool to see. Some of y'all uh, – kindly and warmly and gently saying hey you, you may have missed these guys or those guys uh which i really appreciate um uh, had some really cool emails and some did some did some more history digging uh and I, there was one there was one pair of brothers i missed that i feel like an idiot for missing uh but some others uh that y'all called to attention were, were really really cool so appreciate that i hope y'all enjoyed it more coming this week like i said mailbag and podcast on friday that'll do it for me painter final thoughts Dan, what's for dinner? Ooh, I, I haven't decided. Probably leftovers. You know, I did some cooking this weekend. I had I had meat that had to uh, you know had had to get cooked. We were coming up on the deadline uh, for the uh, for the sell by date, so I don't know. Might might uh might mix together some leftover chicken or some uh, some some leftover beef and uh and and find find a home for it with some veggies. Can can I talk about the uh, Dan's recommendations for the beach that we talked that that we did? Oh, I think the people. I think the people demand it. Okay. Justin. All right, folks. Let me tell you. You may like seafood. You may hate seafood. I. I don't care either way. Um, 
if you go to the beach, there's going to be a wide range of options. I know, I know some people are allergic. Uh, I know some people don't like it. I'm going to give you a recommendation that is 100% foolproof. I'm going to, I'll say, I will second a recommendation because the, the recommendation came from Dan. There's 100% foolproof. Everyone in the party is going to like it. Your traveling companions will enjoy it. Folks, if you're ever in Destin, go to Merlin's Pizza. It is like, <laughs> I'm telling you, it is one of the better pizza places I've been to in my pizza eating life. Uh, it is really, really high quality stuff. Um, it was busy on the inside. We got it to go and ate it in the parking lot. And it was fantastic. Um, I had a southern sweet heat pizza that had bacon and and ham and uh, jalapenos and honey and like a it was a white pizza too. It was phenomenal. If you're ever in Destin and you're just trying to find something to, that everybody will enjoy, get you some pizzas from Merlin's. I'm telling you, man, like it is it is nuts how good it is. Dan, Dan absolutely the, nailed it. The Wizard of Za, you know my my guys there. You know I, it, you would think it's a I think based on the decor and, and maybe even the menu, you might think it's a franchise. Yeah, it's like it's, a, it's one of one. Yeah, and just and just sensational and and really high quality since the late '90s when, when it's been in that location. Decor style when you walk in, it feels like a minor league, and I'm, I'm gonna say this: in love, it feels like a minor league mellow mushroom. But let me tell you, it is it 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 steps up to the plate. It is it is a it is a home run hitter? I am saying all these things because I'm watching the home run derby in the background. Yeah, one of one of my favorites over by the uh, the track. I feel like it's a place where if you, if you didn't if you weren't told about it, yeah, no, you wouldn't you wouldn't. It's try beside it. a Smoothie King, a Subway, and a and a giant liquor store. Like yeah, it used like, to be. I believe it's a liquor store that used to be a Blockbuster Video. Uh, so that might that might explain like what a, they, yeah, I believe it's a, a retrofitted Blockbuster video. Behind a, it's near the track. It's behind an Alvin's Island. Like it's like it is as beach as you can get. Yeah. Um, I also had really good Italian food uh, at a place right next to the Barnes Noble in Destin. So like it, I'm gonna tell you, you gotta you gotta hunt a little bit for the for the best spots there. Really happy to hear they're still they're still rocking and rolling at Merlin's. <laughs>